Hello out there world, welcome to yet one more episode of Wheel Bite as we are getting ready to wrap up the first season. Man, I can't believe we've come this far, it means the world that you all have listened in. This is going to be the second to last episode of season one. It's been a fun experimental trial run and we're hoping to come back in season two with some major surprises and some changes. But we're looking forward to this episode right here, which is a topic I had been wanting to cover the entire time about photographic longevity. And what we mean by that is what makes a photographer sustain a career within skateboarding and how do photos sustain a life after their time in a major publication or advertisement. Sure, some of you have an opinion on this. If you do, feel free to hit us up on social media at Wheelbyte Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Wheelbyte Podcast drop the O on Twitter. We indulge over a lot of favorite photos in this one and I'm sure you have a handful of your own so feel free to tag us in that shit so we can look at some of your favorite photos as well as our own. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy episode 8 of season 1. Welcome to San Francisco. Bones I feel like I feel like it's dangling by a fucking strain of bone marrow. East Coast Powerhouse. From the New York, I stab you in the West New York. I'll give you a hundred bucks and I'll take out the Denny Hannes if you slide that 75-foot handrail. I especially like the flip of the board. What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Wheel Bite, coming to you live from San Francisco, California. I am host one of two, Ted Theodore Mater, and with me as always is my man, Jay Green here. I'm super stoked to be talking about what we're going to talk about today, and that is photographic longevity, whether it be a photographer themselves or the photos they take, sustaining a life that surpasses so much other stuff in skateboarding, whether it be the skater themselves, the trick, the place, anything. And to kick things off, we're going to talk about photos that have stuck with us since we were young. Something about a good photo always will kind of haunt you in a way that is sort of undescribable. That's why you have so many skaters who tell you all these old stories about hanging up photos from the magazines on their wall and how they looked at them and studied them and so on and so forth. But there are definitely a few that stick out in my mind. A super obvious one Jamie Thomas, Hollywood 16, uh, shot by Daniel Harold Sturt. That photo was in every magazine. It was on every board. It was all around me growing up in a way that was almost unavoidable, but I fucking loved it. Did you have it on your wall? I didn't. I never actually tore photos out of mags and put them on my wall. I What? Yeah. I don't know. Are you fucking kidding me? I, I, yeah, it's so weird. I had the... the. You're the only one. I know. The, the skate thing I had on my wall at a very young age was I went to a Zero demo when I was a kid, and they gave me this huge fucking poster for Dying to Live, and it had a bunch of photos on the bottom, and that hung right above my bed, so... 
that series of photos is what I remember. And that's what I'm about to get into is that one of the photos in that cluster was this Thomas Campbell photo of Adrian Lopez ollieing this roof gap in China. And I didn't know it was a Thomas Campbell photo for the longest time. And it wasn't until I read an interview with him on Chrome Ball Incident that I found out it was his picture. And that one has just stuck with me forever. Just the way Adrian Lopez's silhouette is kind of put against the sky and the roof that he's ollieing. It's these weird, like, circles. They're these big, circular things and he's just like smack dab right in the middle of them and they're just so cool and then the other photo which I remember vividly and I feel like I remember the clip a little more just because of how I took in skateboarding media as a kid but Josh Kalis tray flip over the garbage can an absolute classic that photo is just so perfect in every way and anytime I look at it now, I still kind of get the same feeling I got as a little kid when I looked at it. And I also gave that photo to my friend as a wedding present last year. That was... Uh, That's so dope. Yeah, I figured he could use that on his wall. That is also one of my all-time favorites. There's a playback photo mm-hmm. of Josh Kalis doing the bump to what he's probably known best for, the bump over the trash can, and he just blasts the most... Josh Kalis steezed out fucking tray flip ever over it. I love that one. And w- another reason why that photo is so great is, and also why Blayback is so great is because he's got the whole scene in the photo. Oh yeah. He's got the homie sitting in the background, you know, and you kind of get an idea and a feeling of like what it was like to be there a little bit and like what the kind of the scene was. I love park. That's why that photo is super fucking raw, for me at least. Uh, I did have a wall full of fucking ripped out magazine photos, and they were hella ill. Um, But anyways, some of my favorites that have stuck with me uh, for a while for several reasons are uh, there's a photo of Jim Thebow in san francisco in the avenues it looks like and he's doing a frontside wall ride he's just got the most wild kit on he's got like duct tape vans on and just some like insane pants and i don't know it's the most stylish thing ever and you can kind of tell that it's just in the quiet abs and it's Mm -hmm. everything is so untouched out there at that point and he's out there kind of putting the first tracks on on all the wall ride spots out in the abs. Uh, another one is the a very, very famous photo is the Morford photo of Mike Carroll doing the nose wheelie at EMB. I feel like that one really captures that era, too, with the fucking hair that he's Dude, rocking. Hair. He has, like, <laughs> the pants. like, braids or something. Oh, you know? some raver fucking yeah. bullshit. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. It's so time and place, that photo. And then we were, <laughs> Ted asked me when we were doing these, like, is all are all your favorite photos Carl Watson photos? <laughs> and I probably could have said that. He's got a few... Any Carl photo, for that matter. Yeah, he just exudes style in such a 
fantastic way. And then I really like the winning switchback 180 as a trans world cover and uh, switchback 180 down Love Park Gap. And I read like a little funny story that goes with it that I guess Bill Strobeck was edited out of the photo. And I think it's funny also to me because now I've heard several stories of Transworld just like editing the shit out of their covers. Costin back nose blunt is one also. They edit all the graffiti off of Hubba. Yeah, they edited all that graffiti out. And honestly, I think some of that graffiti is what makes that photo because it's so like yeah, crass and ridiculous. <laughs> we named quite a variety of photos there and ultimately you know a question we wanted to ask ourselves today is what does make a photo great and stand the test of time a lot of people say that it's like the the trick i mean i think by today's standards it's the trick has to be something fucking gnarly and never been done and blah 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 but i honestly don't really believe that and never have. I think some of the best photos are some of the more simplistic things. Like a great example is there's this blabback or blayback photo of Jason Dill doing I can't remember if it's a nose manual or a nose grind, but he's doing it over this really like gnarly gap and the drop on one side is obviously like deathifying, but it's just so simple. Like, it's so perfect. If it was, like, switch, front 5-0, you know, everyone nowadays would be, like, shitting their pants over it because the trick is so hard as well as the spot. But, I mean, Dill just did it with such style and grace, and it made the photo just that much cooler. And I think that's more important than the trick being some fucking banger. Obviously, that adds to the allure. I don't want to take anything away from that. But at the same time, I think it's more a matter of time, place, light, location, everything that just factors in. And that's what can truly make a photo great. It's also great that you can take a photo or like a photo for different reasons. It can't. It doesn't always have to be the gnarliest thing ever, but when you do see a photo that is something really ridiculous and it's captured properly, that can be appreciated. But at the same time, like a few of the favorites that we listed are not always the gnarliest thing. Carl Watson is such a good example. Mm -hmm. Switchback tail on the end of the pier block is just it's a very simple trick and it's you know it's nothing mind-blowing but that photo just is so perfect in every way it didn't need to be anything gnarly it was a combination of carl's style the spot the time the era you mm -hmm. know i should say the time in skateboarding and just how important that was and who he was at that spot you could say that a lot about the Love Park stuff. I was too. just about to say that. I think, you know, we touched on that wedding photo and how it was, even the fact that it was a cover says something about that era because, I mean, obviously a Switch 180 down the Love Gap is a fucking banger no matter which way you slice it. But the fact that it was the cover of Transworld in an era that was the height of Love Park mania, you know, it just captures that so well. And honestly, I, I know you said that they 
cropped fat bill out. And I like it sometimes, though, when there's all those, like, the people in the background and stuff. I think that totally adds to the allure of the photo. The same with that Kalis tray flip photo. Like, there's the two kids sitting behind him watching it. And it tells a story. You know, it, it really reflects on that moment and what was happening. And I always love it when there's some sort of transient passerby in the photo. One of my favorite photos that I didn't mention, probably because I didn't really appreciate it till much later in life, it's a, a photo by Atiba of Huff, and he's doing a front 180 over this glass wall um, in... Barcelona and there's like an old man on the escalator in front of him with like a big goofy grin on his face and sunglasses this dude has no idea what's going on you know he's just a happy go lucky old Spanish guy and behind him Huff is doing this mind-blowing front 180 I love that I I do too uh, pedestrians people walking by and they have some like super appalled look on their face or just are completely oblivious that this insane, like, legendary thing is happening right next to them and probably will never know that their photo, like, their face has been in a magazine or a cover and is, like, kind of captured in time and will, like, can be forever remembered and seen. I think that's hilarious and really, really, like, interesting that, these people are just clueless half the time. I do often wonder too if any of them ever find out that like they're in a magazine or something like that or they're in some ad that's just getting national if not international coverage and attention through skateboarding media. I mean ultimately that is what I think though about photos like it's very much just the right everything, the right combo of everything at that moment is so much better than say a schoolyard that's closed off to the general public and some dude is doing a trick that no one else has ever even thought of down some huge fucking five block that no one really ever goes to to skate. Like that's why those photos at Pier 7 to me are so magical because everyone skated Pier 7. So like Carl doing a switchback tail in that photo at Pier 7 Right. Yeah, it's it's something that's so universal and appreciated, but just captured so beautifully in a way that it makes you want to go skate the pier. You know, it makes you want to go to that location. I mean, the love gap was gnarly too, but it still made me want to go to that location because it looked like the best fucking place in the world to go skate. Yeah, love was... There's a picture of Stevie and Josh Kalis that Blayback took, and it's just like a, a portrait of those two. I know exactly which and one. And it's perfectly portraying that moment at Love Park, and I think so much of what makes a photo great is capturing so much more than just the trick that's going on. Mm-hmm. You're capturing the entire spot. You're capturing some lady who's, like, super freaked out. You're capturing the homies in the background, you're able to really just 
grab everything in the moment and it all kind of comes together with the trick that's being done to this perfect photo. And I mean, to be fair, we're talking about how the moment and the time and the place and the era are such important qualities for the photo. I feel it's also important qualities for the photographer in terms of getting their career going. I mean, when you look at who some of the early photographers were, Grant Britton is a, the perfect example. They were just there out of necessity. Grant Britton worked at the skate park in Southern California. Skate Ranch. Yeah, the Del Mar Skate Ranch. That's, yeah. I was trying to remember the name of it. That's the one he worked at. And he would just shoot all the dudes that came there and were really good. And he kind of figured it out from there. And even when he got his job at trans world, you know, he was the photo editor of the magazine or something along those lines. And he, when he came into it, that job didn't really exist. He just sort of mm -hmm. was like, Oh, well, right place, right yeah, time. I can do this. But then take that logic and look at someone like Ryan G Giovanni Retta. You have a place like New York or Philly, for that matter. And these guys are kind of just the photographers that are there out of necessity. They know how to use the camera the best. They're down with the whole crew and everyone who is in that kind of scene. And therefore, when people are like, oh, I got a photo I want to shoot, or if they're just the photographer who happens to be out with those guys shooting random shit, you know, again, time and place don't just play into the favor of the photo. It plays in favor of the photographer who has access to all these great people. That is like such a big factor. If we went through this little list that we made and kind of nerded out on everyone's kind of specific story, you would see a common theme. Right. Of at least of the the earlier dudes. So Bryce Knights, Tobin, and people like Ryan G and, you know, East Coast people who were totally in the scene as skaters mm -hmm. also. So a lot, most of these people started as skaters, you know, they're just skaters and they happen to be in a time where skateboarding was emerging heavily and the demand for media and fo and coverage was just like exploding. So they were, they were there at the right place at the right time. And it, and it totally worked to their favor. And not only that, like you brought up Bryce and Tobin and the other one you got to throw in the mix there is Gabe Morford. Yeah. They were kind of the big Bay Area photographers, but they all had different sets of skills, I felt like, at that era that they could offer. Like Tobin was always kind of the artsier of the bunch. Like he had different angles. He was a little more bold in maybe how he shot something. Like there I always think of that photo he shot of Jason Adams doing he's like about to grind a rail but it's all shot from underneath and you can't see his face you just kind of have a view of that board that he's riding and like his ass but tobin wasn't afraid to kind of get his hands dirty and take a risk and then meanwhile like bryce was the guy shooting big shit because bryce is coming from that vert background and then gabe morford was just i mean he was kind of down with everyone but he was shooting all those deluxe riders when deluxe was still the new distribution company in the bay area he was 
he had his hooks in that crew very early and out of everyone we've just named i mean bryce still works for thrasher i'm pretty sure and tobin shoots like i always see him shooting stuff for fender guitars like he shoots a lot of musicians and really nice portraits these days but gabe is still the deluxe photographer and because he's maintained that staff position his whole career he's had access to some of the best skaters in the bay area for almost fucking 30 years now best skaters in the world for that matter yeah i mean he gets to shoot with ashad and ronnie sandoval and the gons and fucking i still think ramondetta all those morford maybe doesn't get as much shine as he should I definitely don't think he does, and he's one of the best to have ever done it. And he's also a guy who went through different phases. Like, if you look at his work now, it's a lot more polished, for sure. You know, same with someone like Atiba. You know, they started out kind of gritty and in the gutter and developing film a little differently to kind of experiment with things. But now you look at what they're doing, and it's very polished. A lot of flashes, maybe. A lot of light color you can tell they, that a lot of those images are heavily edited for the sake of advertising. But at the same time, one of my favorite Gabe Morford photos is a shot he took way back in the day of James Kelch doing what I believe is like a nolly backside flip or maybe a nolly backside heel. And it's at the Powell fun zone. It's just like off the corner of the pyramid. But the way, you know... Kelch's foot is like kicked out in front of the camera and the lighting is kind of sketchy. You know, he would never shoot a photo like that now, but this is back in like the early 90s and he's probably just figuring out. I mean, even going back to your photo that you mentioned, the Mike Carroll nose wheelie, that's just like long lens, no flashes. That's just him kind of pointing a camera and almost experimenting to see what he gets. And he just happened to get one of the most iconic images of that time and place. How about playing to your skater too? Yeah. You know, Kelch, Kelch and Carol had different styles to no two skaters have the same, same style. So think about that, you know, like playing to the skater, shooting skaters differently. And I mean, someone like Gabe is, shooting a lot of different terrain yeah and i mean he's got a lot of different talent to work with yeah he's going into the fucking bowl and then he's going out into the streets or whatever uh ryan g is probably someone worth mentioning who was good at catering to the skater because i mean while he did do a lot of gnarly shit at love park you know think about what it's like shooting with someone like bam margera who is taking it to the next fucking level Mm -hmm. at all times i think it's interesting that there's some photographers who are maybe i'm not gonna say aggressive but they are the type of photographers who will bring a skater to a spot and be like yo like do this or like i think you can do this or like see a spot and they're like "Mm, like i have this person in mind you know i think that's super gnarly well dan sturt was the king of that he would threaten people with a bow and arrow to get their tricks 
and he'd take them to spots that were like death defying. And that's why he really only worked with select people because he wanted someone that he could push. And that was also going to push him. You know, Chris Markovich has a lot of stories about that as well as Matt Hensley and even Jeremy Ray. You know, he, that guy was pushing them to do some serious shit. But then like we talked about Gabe working with Deluxe and how that has allowed him to do so much stuff. There's been other photographers who are smart to really like let a company, you know, they had the creative vision, but they kind of let the company drive the car, if that makes sense. Like someone like Mike Blayback, he has made a career off being a staff photographer right, for yeah, different yeah. companies. He started yeah. with Mad Circle and then he was doing it for Girl and then he was doing it for DC. And I mean, DC and Girl alone are a huge fucking thing for your resume. Those are mm-hmm. two of the biggest companies ever. And that's been his whole career, basically, yeah. too. He was the girl chocolate family guy, and he's been with DC for the last, like, I think almost 15 years now. More since like 2000, pretty sure. Yeah. He was, because he did that whole like mouse chocolate tour era right. stuff. And then when DC, DC really video, started to take yeah. off. And I mean, think of some of those images from DC that he shot, like just the Stevie Williams flat ground like white background stuff that shit is more than just getting like in mags that shit's Mm -hmm. on billboards and at huge sporting events i remember seeing that one and i like brought it to the homies and i was so flabbergasted because i was like man that's how fucking sick stevie is who have you seen in a magazine have just a flat ground trick published he yeah. was doing just a switch heel. He wasn't doing it over at anything. You know, it wasn't over a gap. He was in a studio and he was just doing a switch heel. And that's one of the most legendary photos ever. Again, this comes back to what you were saying too with style. And that adds so much to a photo because Stevie is one of those dudes who, no matter what trick he's doing, it's going to be done super stylishly and in a way that a lot of other people could never pull off. You know, he just has that sort of aura about him and that's captured on film so well. A guy like Blayback and Gabe, dudes like that who have been staff photographers for basically their whole careers, they're given such good talent. Is it almost like unfair you know like they're these companies obviously recognize their great work to employ them for so long but you know racking my memory and thinking all of all the legendary stevie photos and kayla's photos and and all the uh sf photos blayback has under his belt he's had such an amazing talent pool to shoot what is it really is it you know did he have not an unfair advantage, but he's just had all these insane skaters and the most stylish people to shoot with in the most scenic places, San Francisco, Philly. He kind of had his hand in both of those golden eras, and he has so many legendary legendary photos from there that, you know, someone who has maybe been an L.A.-based photographer or, you know, and also didn't get the opportunity and, I guess, the stroke of luck to be in that certain time period, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That they kind of, not that it was easier, I'm not saying that at all, but 
I I've heard Blayback say it before that he considers himself very lucky to be, I guess, in the right place at the right time with the right talent pool. I think also working for a media publication is an interesting step forward in the sense that, yeah, you don't have that consistent back and forth with certain skaters. Like Mm -hmm. he gets to work with Kalis and Stevie in a way it's comparable to how certain rappers have Dr. Dre produce right. all their totally, shit, you totally. know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's always that collaborative effort in right. a way where you're like, Oh, Kalis is getting a photo with Blayback. It's probably going to be it's, fucking It's dope. different than being a trans world photographer and going on a trip and being like, Hey, I'm just the, this photographer on a trip. You're not, you know, I, yeah, that's, you're not that's definitely a good point. Right. You're not, you know, they've, yeah, they built uh Blayback said he got to shoot in the height of Love Park for two summers straight. Mm-hmm. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like imagine that. That's what you're getting paid to do, getting to go hang out at Love Park in the summer heat for fucking two summers of your life. That's the dream right there. But I think the thing about magazine photographers is because their repertoire is changing so frequently due to you know whatever the magazine is choosing to run a story about or maybe just they happen to be on random sessions that merge together or whatnot it opens up a certain type of creative flow because you kind of got to make hay while the sun is shining you don't know if you're going to be able to necessarily shoot with that person again anytime soon because you're on a deadline um, one of my favorite things about trans world is they have that section in the back called sightings mm-hmm. where it's just a bunch of random photos that their staff photographers were able to kind of give them that maybe they weren't for anything. And you got big names, you know, you'll get like a sick photo of Pat Duffy from Atiba Jefferson. And that's kind of a, a little more random of a combination but it's still like, oh, wow, like those are still two really good people. It's really cool to see it just as a photo, too. Mm-hmm. I always love that. There's no fucking logos. They're not promoting anything. There's no fluff around it. It's just a clean photo. Yeah. And, you know, it might have a little caption that says like, well, yeah, was, Pat yeah. Duffy, backside 5 grind or whatever. And then photo, Atiba. But that shit is small and out of the way. But I love a lot of those those sightings photos. You know, they, they just offer such a different side of things. And it's not used to promote anything. It's simply art for the sake of art. I think it's really interesting that almost all, not almost all, a good amount of the people who are successful and who have had long careers capturing skateboarding have no came from no formal background of anything so we talked about them being thrown in because of the right place at the right time and it's super dope and interesting that a lot of these people atiba retta uh, blayback have so on and so forth not to leave any of the other 
legends out, but a lot of these guys have whole other careers that have transcended skateboarding. And look at Retta, who's getting nominated for all these awards now because of the piece he did with Brian Anderson. And he put out a you know super dope book. And it's super interesting that skateboarding has given them the skill sets to push further than just being skate photographers. And then, I mean, you have the photographers who go on to do completely different things. Like Pete Thompson became sort of like a sports portrait and fashion photographer and same with Luke Ogden. And then, I mean, dude, even look at fucking Spike Jones here. You had a guy who during the film era of skate photography was so innovative and so unique. And the only reason we really haven't mentioned Spike much so far in this episode is because Spike at this point, he, he was one of the most innovative and unique skate photographers for his time, but he hasn't released any skate photography in years. I'm sure he's still taking it. I have no doubt in my mind Spike has some recent photos of like Guy Mariano or fucking some of the younger girl but they're riders. in his own but, yeah, Spike it, way and they're not, he's not fucking capturing a gnarly hammer down a handle. Right, right. It's just like Spike being Spike and yeah. taking advantage of the fact that he's still one of the greats but look at how he's moved on you know he is the perfect example of a person who had no formal training and just kind of did stuff his own way and was able to truly move beyond skateboarding i mean one one thing you have to think about too is the change from film to digital is probably what hurt a lot of the older photographers careers because a bunch of them weren't able to adapt to that change in a way that was maybe profound. I mean, just look at print, like in general, you know, like there's been a handful of really great skateboard magazines that have fallen to, to the digital age. And, you know, there's all that awesome footage comes with it and job people are losing jobs also too. Yeah. And the fact too, that one of, a Grant Britton's recent quotes that he said that I thought was super interesting was how he talked about how there are photos he sees on Instagram daily that he thinks could have been covers at one point in his career. He's like, yeah, I've seen photos that could have been covers and they just get buried in the feed because there's so much so frequently. And that's kind of a shame because the way we talked about photos at the beginning with, you know, hanging them on our walls and like just looking at them and feeling a certain way from just staring at a photo for 10, 15 minutes while you're in class or waiting for the bus or whatever is sort of lost because you forget the photo as soon as you look at it now. Yeah. We're fed so much. And I saw a photo the other day that, Ben Ramers took of Louis Barletta on his phone and it's so perfect. It's just like, it's Louis stalling on a pool, but the way the light is hitting the pool, like it's so cool. And you can see his shadow like off in the pool more. And uh, it, it's a cover worthy shot for sure. Shot on a phone. Half the people who saw it probably don't even remember it. And I mean, now Instagram has that like favorites 
feature, which I think is great because now every time I do see a skate photo that I really like, I will definitely bookmark that shit so I can go back and stare at it later. I mean, I think of two of all the photos I saw in the past five years that I didn't get to do that to, and they're either just in my memory or they're gone. Talk about Blayback and Kalis. Like, he shot this great photo of Kalis doing a melon grab over a trash can off of like a hump in some parking lot. It's such a good photo. I would have to fucking dig the internet just to find it. Well, meanwhile, if I wanted to find that portrait of Stevie and Kalis that you mentioned earlier, I have no doubt in my mind a simple Google search would pull it up in like five seconds because it's so iconic. I think the climate of skateboarding has a lot to do with it also. So we're at a place in skateboarding where I'd say the majority of what kids and consumers want to see is the super gnarly, you know, and that, and that's kind of what's being covered. It's not necessarily the style aspect of it. And it's not necessarily even how the trick or the moment is being captured anymore. It's just, did he do the gnarliest thing ever? Right. And I think that sucks that that's lost because a lot of these photographers we named did capture a lot of that kind of stuff. Like look at someone like Atiba Jefferson or even Ryan G or Gabe Morford, you know, they all captured so much rad shit as it was happening that people couldn't necessarily comprehend. But then all those photographers have also shot things that are so simplistic and beautiful simply for the sake of like skateboarding and art. And that's something I miss about all these good photos. You know, any cover, although the, the most recent cover to come to mind that wasn't a banger of some sort was that Thrasher cover of the woman pouring the water out I, the window on I'm the I'm glad skater. you brought that up because that was actually <laughs> supposed to be in one of my favorite uh, favorite photos we had we we threw around the idea of for our intros we would say a favorite newish photo yeah and that was one of that was actually the only one that i felt worthy of bringing up so we decided to scrap the new the new photo favorites which is also something worth mentioning that kind of to our point earlier we had a hard time like favoriting a photo from the last like couple years there's a handful that come to mind but i mean that's also because i'm paying attention to that shit very frequently and we consume skateboarding completely different now that's part of it 90 percent of my consumption is done on instagram and on the internet how many years ago 10 years ago or so it was that number was completely flipped we were getting it all from magazines which is which are all you know still shots and a lot of i mean we talked about this briefly with the social media episode but the idea too that for years photos were the way you were tied it over until people's video parts came out like, we brought this up earlier in the episode today, too, that video footage comes out faster than photos now because you can film an entire part on your phone and have it uploaded to the internet by the end of the day. It's not hard. People do that shit regularly. 
But then meanwhile, back in the day, you got magazines long before you got videos. In fact, if anything, the magazines were hyping you up for the full length video because you'd see a picture of, I don't know, like Eric Ellington grinding some rail and you're like, oh shit, like the new Zero video comes out summer 1998. Yeah, I can't wait till this finally comes out. It was a little preview. I can remember when Dying to Live came out and we had spent two years pouring over magazines looking at it. Like we kept seeing photos of Trainwreck doing this and of John Rattray doing that and oh Jamie Thomas does this other fucking mind blowing handrail and like we would see all the photos in the mags and the video was going to come out eventually but we didn't really know when and then finally one day we opened my friend's mailbox and there it fucking was waiting for us and this was maybe a year or two after he even ordered it in the mail like pre-ordered it it was a total necessity and now it's kind of lost like you know the way that we consume skateboarding has completely changed and is it gonna completely flip over like are there's only gonna there's only a few magazines left now like is skateboarding photography gonna completely not completely, but almost shrink to a few. A lot of the dudes that we've mentioned are older, mm-hmm. you know, and and like we said, they've transitioned out of skateboarding or not maybe completely out of skateboarding, but they're definitely seeking other options and succeeding in other avenues. It's completely changed and it's shrinking completely. And I mean, you have to ask yourself this question now. What does it even take have that kind of career because these days there really is only a handful of those photographers who have been doing it since skateboarding's popularity boomed initially in the 80s you know we mentioned grant Britton and atiba gabe bryce knights blayback retta uh mike burnett like they've all been able to last 20 to 30 years taking skate photos as their bread and butter. And yeah, I mean, obviously we know people like Atiba are shooting famous musicians or basketball players or whatever. All these people are expanding the avenues, but clearly they've done something within skateboarding that has allowed them to last and keep profiting off of their images. I mean, it comes down to a combination of a few different things. Like, the big one is innovation. You know, all those dudes innovated skate photography to their liking in a way that continually kept us coming back for more. Like, the way they shot photos, the way they developed them, maybe the way they exposed them uh, to the light and, and initially taking them they've found ways to keep it visually interesting and keep it almost timeless. And like we said with Blayback, there's other ways of doing that. So Burnett is a good example. He's been with Thrasher forever, but he's always said that he likes to get to know the skater, you know, and he likes to capture another side of it. He likes to capture other sides of skateboarding so whether it be kids at a demo or you know all these other factors contributing to this little world that we are all participating in i you know like 
that's that it keeps it interesting not just capturing a skate trick he's been able to capture all this other stuff that you know is is a part of our world also and i mean ultimately i think other than just capturing the trick you want to tell a story and really show what is happening beyond the trick like we talked about that Kalis photo and how we like the kids in the background or that Huff photo and we like the old man on the escalator. And that is, to me, a very important thing is that you're capturing more than just skateboarding. You're capturing the reality of that situation, no matter how weird or goofy or gritty it may be. You're almost, the photographer's almost able to put a storyline in the person's head. Yeah, and you're kind of, it's left open to the viewer, which is why I think, you know, at one point in life, we were all staring at photos for hours and just trying to figure everything out in our heads with why we were attracted to that image in some way, shape, or form. And that's that's totally true, too, is the whys and the hows of all the photos, and sometimes Mm -hmm. not revealing everything, like... Where was the run-up? Like, how? where did he fucking land? How did he get over that? Where's the bump, you know? Like, that is also such a beautiful aspect of it is the unknown. I'm looking down here at my little thing of notes, and the quote that I have written is, photos that are larger than life. And I don't just mean, like, the trick is larger than life or the skater's personality is larger than life, but by capturing some of those elements we have just listed, it's almost like you're uh, unlocking some sort of secret in terms of how people interact within a given space. And I think one of the big things about skate photography that's interesting, especially when there are like other people involved in the grand scheme of the photo, is you're looking at two different worlds like skaters obviously view the world objectively different than the average human being so where one person just sees a flight of stairs that they have to walk up to their office every day or something along those lines a skater sees a fucking major obstacle that could either be a career defining battle or something that just comes to them with ease in a way that allows them to kind of hone in on some creativity. That's what I think comes down to things being like larger than life in the sense that you're showing the world that you see, and it's probably going to be seen by other skaters, but it's also likely going to be seen by people who aren't, especially if it's, you know, receiving some sort of advertising type of exposure it's a lot of times it's about the significance too of a lot of times you never know in the moment what it's going to mean so many years down the road so i came across a thrasher cover that is not skateboarding it's this guy doing like a backside carve on a snowboard it's a bryce knight's photo and how like important and significant is that in the world of skateboarding now that there was a fucking thrasher cover with a snowboard trick being done on it you know it's not it's not always about what's going on it's about what you're capturing and the significance in the moment too 
Thrasher has definitely committed their fair share of sins for being the Bible <laughs> and a snowboarding cover. Maybe one of them. It was definitely one of them, along with like Fred Durst echo ads and stuff like that. It doesn't make it okay that Knights uh, shot that, though? I mean, it's cool because it shows a different side of things. I, I'm not even hating on it. Like, I just think it's funny that, you know, people are always like, oh, Thrasher, it's the Bible. It can do no wrong, blah, 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 blah. But then, you know, Bryce Knights shot a snowboard photo that was on the cover. <laughs> And it's kind of funny, and it's and it's forever. Yeah, it's there. It's you you there can't forever. escape it. There is hard proof. But that's another great thing about photo. Fucking Jay Strickland has this thing that he, when he released his book, he said that he always appreciated a photo because like it lasts longer and it lasts forever in your memory. It's he compares it to kind of graffiti in some way and. I think there is something to be said about that, that, you know, for the rest of your life, there's hard photographic proof. Videos get buried, but a good photo will just kind of really stick there for good. You know, it's inescapable once it's out there. The proof is there. 